All right, gentlemen. Um, we've heard a lot of foundational topics here this morning, and um, I want to talk about them, and I want to maybe tie a few of them together because they're they're very much intertwined, and they're um, although. Uh, many of them are important. Some of them are essential. Okay, as Jerry mentioned. Um, talking about E squared, edification and evangelism. Guys, uh, accountability refers to that first E, that edification. When you're talking amongst believers, uh, Jerry, uh, Winston, Craig talked about, referred to... Uh, the fact that the forces, the powers, the evil uh, spirits, and um, those powers are real, guys. These are, these are battles that are being fought. And uh, so the case is very much there that you combine that, those forces, with the fact that we have a sinful nature, okay? Um, the deck is stacked against us. Um, the good news is that we have an, all, an almighty, all-powerful God that gives us the ability to wage this war with success. So how do we equip ourselves as men, as believers, to go through this life and continue to get closer to Christ, right? Um, I submit to you, men, that uh, each of the guys that have presented here and many of the guys in this room uh, are in a functioning accountability group. You look at the great, a lot of the great men of God, uh, the Billy Grahams of the world. I know the pastor of my church has, he is in, uh, actively in an accountability group. And we want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to be very transparent with you guys and uh, so we're going we're gonna to have questions back and forth, and I just I, I would uh, ask you guys to take advantage. Um, we have been, there's four guys in our accountability group. Uh, the one guy that is, we'll call him the imaginary friend Diet over Coke. there. Diet Coke is, uh, is outside of Philadelphia in Lancaster, where he lives now. He used to live in Phoenix. And uh, we have been, by the grace of God, in a functioning accountability group for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, gentlemen, that the value that I place upon these guys in my life cannot be overstated. And my wife sees the value, even though in the beginning she kind of would, would ask some of these normal questions you would expect her to ask, like, what do you guys talk about? You know, for, you know, a few hours? What, really? You know, what are you talking about? And as she's seen the results, because it's all about the results. I mean, let's face it. This walk with God is, is very real to me. And uh, she sees the results. She sees the value. Now she'll routinely say, we come to a tough decision point, she'll say, why don't you throw it out in front of your accountability group, see what they think. I'd love to get their input because one of the things that these guys do for me is they can objectively look into my life on an issue and see things that I can't see. So, so I want to talk a little bit about that and these guys are going to 
chime in and we're going to have questions. And like I say, take advantage because it is our prayer that each of you have this privilege of, of an accountability relationship of your own. So let's talk about uh, among believers, there are different types of relationships. Okay, that top, that top um, relationship of mentorship, the example that we see in the Bible is Paul with Timothy. Okay, Paul being the mentor and Timothy being the sort of mentee, right? Um, and then there's the relationship of discipleship where a man is taking, taking another man through the gospel in the edification process. They come to faith that, again, that Timothy type of example as well. Um, what we're talking about in the accountability relationship is, is um, um, really that, um, that similar rank. Okay, where guys, we're, we're all in for the same exact thing. There's no head of the group. Okay, we had the privilege of having a senior guy in the faith kind of help us for a little while, stayed with us, and then he bowed out and helped us stay on track, let it not turn into something that it's not supposed to be. And, uh, but what we're talking about in the accountability relationship is that each of us are in this relationship at the same level and for the same uh, objective, and that is to help each other in our walk with Christ and get closer to God, bottom line. Um, that's the objective. So um, in this relationship, the purpose, again, is accountability. Okay, bottom line, my job, as I see it, is to help Chris, Trevor, and Craig stay on their walk with God, bottom line. And that's what I ask of these guys for me, okay? Now, there's some, some wonderful verses. Uh, I just noted a few of them. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Although one can e easily be overpowered, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in a multitude of counselors, they are established. Uh, Proverbs 11.14, Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So guys, you know, we see the examples. These are, these are great men that, that fall. Guys, uh, I'll just read you a little, a little passage from Proverbs 7. And this is the, the passage where the, the young, immature man falls to the adulteress, okay? Uh, Proverbs 7, 24 through 27 says, Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Guys, talking David, the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, blew it big time with Bathsheba. Uh, I submit to you that long before he decided to call her into his chambers and have sex with her, he decided it was okay in his mind that, it, that he was going to do that. 
And, uh, but if somebody would have maybe came up to him and said, hey, how about if I told you that you are going to not only check this woman out, but you are going to call her to your chambers, you are going to have sex with her, you're going to have an, an, an illegitimate child, then you're going to kill her husband. He'd say, whoa, 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 time out. What are you talking about? I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the menu. I don't, I don't need to order, right? <laughs> Guys, have you, ever, have you ever been there? So the value of accountability, uh, these guys know what my issues are. They know what questions to ask me. So we get together between every three, two, two and a half to four weeks, the latest. I don't think we've ever gone longer than a month. Um, and we meet for a few hours and we talk about, these guys ask me, how's your thought life? Have you looked at anything that has been unfitting before God? And one of the things that we have committed to each other, and it's a necessary component, absolutely necessary component, is full transparency and honesty. And that's the, the, the right-hand side of that slide, okay? So why accountability? I think I've made the business case. Guys, these are great men that fell, okay? That, that terrifies me. The notion of me and this whole topic of apostasy blowing it, blowing up my marriage. I'll tell you what, I've given these guys permission to get in my business and check me if I start to, if they smell anything that smells like willful sin in my marriage, in the headship of my home. Um, Chris, why don't you talk about the things we commit to talk about, you know, if it's sin, if it looks like sin, or kind yeah. of a... Yeah. Well, uh, once we establish the objectives that the purpose of, this, of these meetings in this relationship is absolutely positively to keep each other on track in our walk with God, we then say, okay, uh, guys, if anything looks like sin um, to any of us, um, I give you permission to point it out to me. You have, to, you have to bring it up and bring it before me, and I'm going to give you permission to do that and, in advance, not condemn you for bringing it to my attention. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, I was thinking if you see sin, we're going to bring it up. If it looks like sin, we're going to bring it up. And if it doesn't even look like sin, but we have a concern about something, we're going to bring it up. So we've given each other... Um, some safeguards. Some, yeah, and we've given each other the um, okay to go ahead and do that. I know, obviously, we, all of us, a lot of us have relationships where if we saw something that concerned us, we're, we may not bring it up with them because we just don't have that relationship with them. So that's one of our first goals. Well, I think, too, when you consider what Scripture calls us to, you know, you see sin in a brother's life, then, you know, certainly the, the scripture is pretty clear in terms of a response. And I think within the accountability group, we kind of said, yeah, but if you even think I might be thinking about sin, then, you know, basically all issues are on the table uh, to be addressed and be called out and to be, uh, to be discussed. And guys, the, the, one of the reasons that we need to talk about this is because I don't know how many of you guys can relate to what Winston was saying about not being non-confrontational. 
I don't enjoy it. Uh, I was in a supervisory role in a, in a job for a lot of years, and that, that was one of my least favorite things to do, is disciplining an employee or terminating an employee. And uh, I also uh, don't enjoy getting challenged. Uh, but I think if we decide up front that the purpose of this relationship is for our good, and you know what? If this guy gets in my business, maybe he, maybe he can see things a little more clearly, and it's for my benefit. So, but those, those, those running rules need to be established, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So again, we have a sinful nature. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Um, we are our own worst enemy. Jeremiah 17.9 talks about the deceitfulness of our hearts. Who can know them? Um, uh, help us deal with issues. Guys, we all would like to get a little help and a little clarity, wouldn't we? When it comes to the challenges of life, some of the decisions related to our career with our kids. Uh, what does it look like to be a godly dad or a godly husband? Boy, I don't know. I don't have a lot of worldly examples around me. Uh, I've, told, I've told guys before that... Uh, the whole world's throwing rocks at your marriage and the headship of your home. And are you going to let it happen or are you going to protect your home? I know God's going to ask me about it. These guys do too. Chris, uh, let me um, just give an illustration with the helping with deal with issues. I remember one time, <clears throat> uh, it was the evening before I was supposed to get together with the guys for accountability. and. I was out in a business meeting and my wife went to my, her parents for dinner. And we were talking about the evening and she just kind of mentioned kind of offhandly that her father um, made a rude comment to her. And let me first say that my father-in-law is a great guy and uh, I want to respect him and honor him, but kind of something just jerked in my mind when she said that and I thought, hmm, I wonder if I should do something about that. So I'm on my way to accountability the next morning, and I think to myself, yeah, should I even bother bringing it up? And I remember someone saying at one of the retreats one time, if you're tempted to keep it hidden, reveal it. If you're tempted to reveal it, keep it hidden. So I was tempted to keep it hidden, so I thought, okay, well, I'll just mention it to the guys. So we're in our group, and I say, hey, hey guys, uh, my wife was telling me about something my father-in-law said to her. And unanimously, they said, you got to go talk to him. And I was like, crap. He's, uh, he is not a soft man. He's an old school type of guy. And I thought, gosh. But you know what? It was unanimous. And I thought, you know, whenever these guys unanimously tell me something, I, I don't go against it. I just am too afraid to go against it. So <clears throat> providentially, I'm supposed to have lunch with my wife that day. And we have lunch, and I say, hey, babe. Uh, you know, during accountability, these guys think I should go talk to your dad about what happened. And she said, oh, no, don't do that. That's going to cause friction. That's, you know, that's not going to be good. Don't do it. And I said, honey, I've got to do it. I know it could, it could get ugly, but i got to do it. And so I was just, that day was a horrible day. And uh, um, I, I just figured I'd drive over to his house. And I was just praying to God, please let him be here, because if I have to deal with this for one more day, I'm going to die. And so I get there, and by, he's there, and his wife isn't there, so it was really perfect timing. And, and we sat down and talked about it. And it was one of the toughest things I've ever done, but it, it really went well. And 
after we got finished there, even gave a hug and uh, left, and I came home. <clears throat> and I said to my wife, I said, well, and I kind of explained to her what I'd done and cut our conversation, and she said, thank you so much for doing it. Isn't it interesting? Going into it, she said, don't do it. And on the other end, she's thankful that I did it. And guys, if I didn't know that these guys were going to ask me if I did it, wouldn't have happened. I'm a, unfortunately a coward deep down, and I wouldn't have done it. But because I knew these guys would be asking me the questions, did you do it? Um, it gave me the, that accountability I needed to do it. Yeah, it gives you the little extra nudge. I can't tell you how many times the day before, the night before an accountability discussion where I've committed to doing certain things and I've put them off, that I like where, where it manifests itself most is with a, uh, with a guy that I know is, uh, might be opportunistic to share the gospel. In fact, I was just telling these guys, I had a guy, I, I, I put him on the accountability list, I'm gonna get together with this guy. Well, I did it once and then I had, then they asked me about it and I didn't meet with the guy. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep them on there, and by the next time we get together, I'm going to have talked to them. And it went another three weeks, and I didn't talk to them. So one of, one of the things we put in our deal a while back was, you know, maybe there should be consequences, and I don't even remember who started this, but basically if you commit to something, we put money on the line. Um, it's, you know, 25 bucks to each person, Starbucks gift card, so it's worth 75 bucks if you don't. follow. And, and you elect to put money, you decide when you're going to put money on an issue and when you're not. And, uh, you know, periods, different times, we've, people have asked for grace because of circumstances, and these guys are not graceful dudes. <laughs> uh, so, and, and we like coffee. And they like, yeah, and they like coffee, so. <laughs> but, I, you know, in fact, I have, uh, the next time we meet, which I think is the week after next is when we're scheduled to, to get together, it, you know, I, I knew I put money on the line. I talked to this guy before I came out here. I said, hey, listen, when I get back from town, let's get together and have lunch. And I'm just telling you, I wouldn't have done it, I would have done the same thing, which is I've been thinking about this guy. Um, you know, this guy's been asking questions about Christ. Um, he's not the uh, easiest guy for, to get along with. He's kind of a rough dude in terms of personality. And, and uh, I'm thinking, man, this guy's not going to, you know, I get in my own head about the gospel. But the fact is that knowing that these guys are going to ask me about it, and actually now knowing I'm going to have to pay him 75 bucks, it's a little extra motivation I need to get me over the, over the hump. So we're, not, we're probably not going to see that money. I'm working on it. not seeing it. Actually, well, the other thing I started doing is I tell my wife now when I put money on the line, and she doesn't want me to be giving away any of the house money, so she's, she's like, did you talk to that guy? Did you do what the, you told the guys you were going to do? And I don't want any uh, trouble with April. <laughs> Bob, did you have a question? Well, you were starting to explain uh, what happens if you have one of the accountability partners that is so inconsistently doing something that he shouldn't, that, he, that he's supposed to respond to. And so you're saying to put 25 bucks on it or whatever, but <clears throat> I mean, what, I mean, this can't go on for a long period of time to keep putting 25 bucks, that same guy putting 25 bucks up for each, each person. I mean, is there ever a point when that guy is not fitting in that accountability group or that he just isn't responding like, come on, man, grow up mature in Christ. Well, I mean, <clears throat> hang tight. I think we'll address that about being like-minded. So if you want to hang tight and then if we haven't answered your question, hit us again, okay? But I think we will cover that. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about authority. Uh, authority has been another topic on the forefront of this weekend. And 
um, authority is conferred, that means that basically it has to be granted, it has to be given, okay? Um, uh, I've given these guys, I know their cups of credibility with me are very full. I know that they add value, I've established that. And if, when we're thinking clearly, okay, when we're, I mean, imagine the times when you're getting done with your quiet time, you're in focus, you're thinking about the things of God before you get in your car or show up in your office and get distracted. You're, you're, you're thinking clearly. You're saying, you know what, here, this is good for me, this is not, okay? I'm going to stay clear of this. I'm going to focus on this. But, boy, when, when that, that gets clouded, when it starts to get confusing, it is so valuable to have given that authority over to another guy when you know that his purpose is to try to keep you on track in your walk with God. Um, that's, it has to be granted, though. Um, so, um, again, authority is conferred. Uh, we must choose to have it in our life. Guys, we're not going to, nobody is going to make you have an accountability relationship uh, when you leave this, this conference, okay? Uh, but look at the examples again. David, uh, look at this guy, Ted Haggard, pastor of a huge you know, New Life Christian Fellowship in Colorado Springs, is it? 20,000 member congregation. You know, how does it happen where the guy is involved in drugs and prostitution? And I mean, you know, somewhere he probably passed on the opportunity to have guys looking into his life and asking him some tough questions. It doesn't happen overnight. Submit to you again that he did not, he was not willing to pass that authority to another man and have that other guy or guys look after his soul. So um, I think we made the business case this weekend that those, those powers, those forces are real, guys. They are, they've, you've got a bullseye on your back the enemy's saying, you know what, I want to take that marriage down. Uh, we're watching it happen. Uh, he's claiming marriages. He's claiming fatherhood. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but that makes, me, that makes me mad. I want to put some things in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, he's not walking into the sunset with my marriage, with the fact that I want to be a godly head of my home. So... Um, Guys, uh, we have, we've got, we, we don't even know. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. Um, I think we've talked enough about blind spots too this weekend. We don't even know where we, where we are making errors, where we are missing a point or a, a decision point before God. And uh, these guys can look into my life and say, you know what, hang on a second, Chris. You glanced over that, but um, I think you need to circle back to that. I'll give you guys an example. I was making a career change. I was contemplating making a career change. And now I can look back and see the hand of God moving very clearly through these decision points. But I, I would have glanced over a career opportunity um, but I mentioned it just in passing and these guys said wait, wait 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 back up I think I don't think you need to blow that off I think that you need to listen to that um, 
search that out a little more thoroughly. And you know, I did, and it was the right decision. It, it took me through a chapter that moved me toward where God wanted me to be. And I would have totally missed it uh, where uh, these guys helped me. So yeah, one, one of the things I think that each of us can, and Martin would say it too if he was sitting up here, that we've clearly learned through the accountability process is that every man has major blind spots in his own life. And, and when I first started doing this, I wouldn't have necessarily admitted that. But over the, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the rule of thumb is I know that if I think it's a minor issue, I need to put it on the table and make sure that these guys have a chance to speak into it. Because I can't tell you how many things I've showed up and I thought, well, I'll just blow through this one pretty quick. This is no big deal. Hey, I'm thinking about this. And, you know, the brakes hit and everybody's like, whoa, hang on a second. Let's give him the move story where he <laughs> so, yeah, glanced over. Oh, we almost bought a house in Colorado and he's, he was going to move on and we said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I lived so. in Phoenix. We were living in Phoenix at the time of my brother. Uh, brother-in-law and sister moved to Colorado Springs and we were really close to them. We went out there to visit them over a weekend and we looked at houses. My wife and I were like, hey, it'd be pretty cool to move out here. Let, live near them and, and you know, work-wise it, it was fine. Um, so I came to an accountability meeting. We went through a handful of things and I just randomly mentioned, oh yeah, by the way, we looked at houses out in Colorado. And to a man, they're like, whoa, wait a second, what are you doing? You can't move. Um, and I'm like, what do you mean I can't move? <laughs> For one, um, well, hold on, hold on. We never said you couldn't move. We just asked you, why do you want to move? Oh, well, I heard it as you can't move. So you got, <laughs> you know, this was a long time ago. I was like, really, I can't, huh? But, but you know, the bottom line was the guy saw some things in that move that I didn't see. Um, and just for quick perspective, it was the first time in my marriage that when my brother-in-law and sister left, that my wife and I lived in a town on our own. Uh, we didn't have any family around us when we were in Phoenix. And one of the observations was, don't you think it might be uh, good for your marriage, for you and your wife to really grow as a couple without the presence of your family for a period of time. That was something I never would have thought of. The other thing was, quite frankly, the same thing applied to my brother-in-law and sister, and they went to Colorado Springs with no family. And they said, don't you think it might be good for their marriage for them to get a little bit of time for just the two of them? Um, I thought those were dumb reasons at first. Um, but I remember then going home and, t and telling my wife that so, you know, if you can appreciate the perspective, uh, we were ready to pack our bags, and I went home and said, well, let me tell you what the guys said to me. And my wife's reaction was very, very negative, and she got very upset. <laughs> and my wife, my wife's a, a fairly strong-willed person. She says, I would, I'm going to go to your next meeting. Let me talk to those guys. <laughs> So that ain't going to happen. I, I appreciate where you're coming from, but that's not going to happen. But what I can tell you is um, over the several months as we navigated through that thing, I mean, it was so unanimous that we're like, you know what, we're not going to go. Um, and as I reflect back on that situation, uh, two things came of it. One was I'm so thankful that we didn't go um, because of some things God did in our lives and in our marriage in Phoenix. And quite frankly, we started spending a little bit more time out there, and we were like, man, this place isn't nearly as cool as we thought it was. Um, but then on the other side of it is that it was at that point over time that my wife saw the value of these guys, to the point today where, like Chris said, I think we're all at this point now, after 10 years of being together, is, you know, you get the question, well, what'd the guys say? 
or did you talk to the guys yet? Or hey, you know, maybe you run run this by your accountability group next time, and let's see what uh, see what they say. Um, and that you know was a product of having to navigate through those things that just seemed so clear and easy that you just find yourself completely blind to some of the some of the potential outcomes. I'll share one more story with you guys, and uh, since Chris is not here to defend himself, we'll just uh, we'll talk about this one. He came to one of the meetings, and it was already he had already reloaded back east, and it was over the phone, and so uh, he mentioned his wife was working uh, at the at the time outside the home, and she got a check from her employer for X number of dollars, a thousand bucks or something. I don't know what it was and they had spent the money on furniture and um, already spent the money and then the employer comes back to her and says oh by the way we made an error in giving you this check and we need you to give us the money back and fill in the blanks guys where i'm missing some details here but he kind of glanced over oh, this he, thing he, he got the news about five minutes before we got on the phone i think yeah. So he was a little heated at the time. Well, he says, you know, hey, this is, you know, obviously we've talked about it, and this is, this is, you know, we're not going to be giving the money back because of so and so and so and so, and she, you know, did all this extra work, and 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 this is an error that they made, and so anyway, so we we we've talked about that, and and that is something that we've already decided. But anyway, let me talk to you about the issues that <laughs> that, that I do want to talk to you about, and we all like, you know, uh, back up. You know, Chris, let's let's talk about that for a second. And we we counseled him to give the money back. I mean, uh, bottom line, is it the right thing to do or not? He and, was and he was stinking mad at us. I mean, he just thought, you guys. He, he said, I'll think about it, but I think I know what my answer is. And <laughs> <laughs> next time we got together, you know, he he settled. Holy down Spirit had had worked him over. But um, let me just make one more comment before I pass it off and talk about these guys will jump into a couple more slides. But um, if a guy, if a guy, Bob, your question was if a guy continues to come to the accountability meetings uh, without having dealt with an issue or continuously um, doesn't, doesn't perform on something that he asks us, to hold him accountable for, I think our first question would be, review the purpose why you would bring this to our attention and ask you to be accountable. You know, why are you not applying the discipline to perform this accountability? Why do we share the gospel with a guy? Why are you gonna confront your wife on this issue, uh, on this headship issue? Why do you need to deal with this disciplinary issue with your child? And if we're thinking clearly, we, we'll, we'll get our head straight and say, it's the right thing to do. I need to do it, right? We'll do it, you know? Maybe we'll talk about how yeah. and phrase some things. And these guys will give me some of the, put some of the color on the pages and the mechanics of maybe how to do it, some great suggestions. And I got to buck up and get her done, you know? So I think um, we've gotten to the point, too, where when we first started out, we were probably very gentle with each other. And I think we're comfortable now where, you know, okay, McAndrews, come on, man. Let's get your act together. And lovingly, but still, get your act together. Um, but that comes with time. That comes with time. And 
luckily, I think guys have been dealing, we've all been dealing with our issues as they've been coming up, but yeah, I think there would be an issue if a guy wasn't, and it might, might be that the other guys in the group say, hey, you better look for another accountability group. I think uh, the last oh, point, Mike has a Mike question. Has a I'm sorry. Things or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Jump in. I have two separate questions. One is, uh, you said earlier that there's four of you guys. You guys are all busy, obviously. And you made a comment that in 10 years, you haven't gone more than one month uh, without meeting. I think that's very remarkable and doesn't happen by accident. And if you could elaborate on how you've managed to make that so. Well, uh, for starters, we never, ever end a meeting without scheduling the next meeting. Just like when you're meeting with a guy, you say, okay, let's schedule you know, next week or two weeks and, and get it on the calendar, or else trying to circle back and you know, we'll sort out the calendars right then and there. And we all have our calendars with us and say, hey, and guys, we meet at you know, pretty you know, early time. I mean, it's 5.30 to 8-ish. Uh, in the morning for us, and I meet, and we meet at Trevor's office in Scottsdale. It's a 30-minute drive for me, so I have to leave the house at five o'clock on those days. But I just do it. I mean, I've never ever once left the meeting and said, "Boy, that was a waste of time." I mean, the other the other thing is um, we've all agreed. As we're going through this, we'll probably talk about some of our own personal rules we've made, and not that you guys. If you decide to start accountability group, if you're in one, that you necessarily have to set the same rules as us, but this is what we've decided. One is, if you're in town, you're there. And I know we, we live in different cities now, but if, the, if we're not traveling, it's an expectation that you will be there available for the meeting. And circumstances come up, but man, when one of us, and it, I think it's probably happened with all of us, the trend of just not being available, again, we pull one another up short and say, hey, you've been getting pretty lackadaisical, and, Probably once a year, we got to remind ourselves what our rules are and kind of stay, keep them tight. I think too. Once you see the value in it personally, I mean, to me, I, I, I want to get together no longer than a month. Um, for you know, not that I don't love these guys, but it's for me. <laughs> Make no mistake. I, I have seen the benefit of it over the years for me personally, and. Uh, and I would, and I, my wife, if she was here, would say the same thing, that if I ever, to, if I told her tomorrow that I wasn't in accountability anymore, she would be scared. She would be scared, and I would be scared too. Micah, did, did we? Sure, and one more qu question. Uh, you guys are in three different cities, and, uh, and I know Chris and Trevor are, uh, live far apart in Phoenix. So you're, there's a lot of geographic distance. Is that, uh, an advantage, disadvantage, or neutral, would you say? Neutral. Neutral. I think the one advantage is that when we got together, and we'll talk about the next bells, you know, we were not really, really close friends. We knew each other, but we weren't really tight and really close. And I think that was an advantage going in where we didn't have, like any relationship, you just have certain baggage over a long period of time. We didn't have any of that. So I think going into the accountability group, that was an advantage. Yep. So, and mechanically, uh, there's that 1-800, or not the 800, but you have the freeconferencecall.com. Guys, you just dial up a number and you put in a code and you're there. I mean, you, you can take the call. You, you can make it whenever you need to make it. So. Ideally, face-to-face -face is best. Yeah. But we make it work. 
like Chris and I, you know, we could all we could both sit in our houses and call on the phone, but we know it's better for us to get to meet in the office and be face to face. Yeah. And last point here that I'll cover is peace of mind for my wife. My wife knows the purpose of this of this relationship and um, she knows how hard it was for me when I traveled on business to stay clear of things like pornography. Um, she knows that these guys ask me about my thought life. Uh, she's got a better understanding of my nature and my makeup as a guy. And so absolutely gives her peace of mind. She knows that uh, these guys are looking out for me, and it's in her best interest that I have them. So, um, so that's it for me. So here's some things that, again, personally, we believe are requirements for a functioning group. I think you need to have chemistry. Um, if you don't like hanging out with the guy, then chances are you're not. He's not going to be a good accountability partner. It's just the. Not that he's a bad guy, but if you guys don't like hanging out together, chances are that accountability group isn't going to go very far. Um, I know all of us would say that we probably heard something about accountability retreat, and we were all praying for it, and it just seemed like God ordained that it all kind of got together, and although we didn't know each other, it just the chemistry really worked. And if I'd be in prayer about... <clears throat> You know, don't be in a rush. I know I was praying for a year before our group got together um, that God would bring it in my life. So don't be in a rush for that. Wait for the right guys and the right chemistry. Um, and be, but, but don't stop praying for it till God gives it to you. Uh, Chris touched on this a bit, but transparency and confidentiality are crucial. Um, if you're not talking to guys about what your issues are, then they're not going to be dealt with. And if a guy doesn't believe that what he shares isn't going to stay within that group, he's not going to share it. So if, you don't, if those aren't there, account, true accountability is not going to be there. Well, and I think, too, just as an illustration, we've had conversations on things where we've requested that, uh, you know, generally our rule is that you can share with your wife, with the exception of when we'll say, look, this needs to stay amongst the guys, and this isn't something we can share with our wives. Um, and it's just, you know, you've got to respect that, uh, that level of confidentiality, I think, as you do over time. Um, you know, you, that's how you build, that's how you get comfortable with the transparency. Yeah. Obviously, we're all like-minded in that scripture is our ultimate authority, and a lot of times that's where we'll go to talk to a guy about an issue, and if one of the guys you're in a group with doesn't believe scripture is his ultimate authority, then it's really not going to go very far as well. You gotta be, and this takes time. It's probably not something that comes right away. I think we'd all agree, it took probably a year for us to get comfortable where, okay, I'm gonna start sharing some of the deep, dark stuff that I really haven't shared with any guys. And it takes time, but you, again, you gotta be willing to do that, and it's a process, but as we got to know one, each other, one another a lot better, um, that's where that authentic accountability's been really happening. We talked about the regular meeting times. We scheduled before uh, our next one. Um, I think one or two times we didn't, you know, it's just a nightmare trying to get it scheduled if we don't do it when we're all in, on the, in the same room or on the phone together. So that's just essential. The not too big, not too close. Um, I, 
this is personally, I believe probably the optimum number is somewhere between three and five. Two guys, great place to start, but I'd encourage you to try to get a third just to have that additional input into your life. One guy is great, but two are better. And um, I think five, the issue you're going to have there is um, we had five at one time in our group, and just the meetings went a long time. They could, they could go upwards of four hours, and you say to yourself, how the heck does that happen? But we just kind of go in order and talk about stuff, and it just took a long time. So you don't want to go more than five. I, you know, six would just, everyone would be saying this is too much of my time in my life. Um, I don't think um, how often is a certain requirement, but we, that two to four week just seems to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, the, the too close. Um, we talked about, I, I've got like-minded brothers in my family, but accountability wouldn't work with us, number one, because we're family members, and I don't know a guy that doesn't have family issues to some degree. And the other thing is we work together, so we're, we're partners in business, and obviously sometimes I have business issues in my life. So these guys can give me objective counsel that my brothers wouldn't be able to give me because they're too close to me. And my brothers obviously are great input in my life, but for some issues, I need guys who can look at it, and the input they're going to give me is not going to make a single difference into their lives. Yeah, I think that's always the key with accountability is you find guys who, uh, you know, it's subjective. It doesn't affect them in terms of the issues that you make decisions on and where they counsel you. Um, and, and I think that's the type of input that you know, I like to have in my life. They have no vested interest in any of the decisions that I've ever brought to the table, uh, which, uh, which brings me great comfort that they're coming from the perspective of, hey, here's, you know, here's what I see. So I'll cover real quick just what an accountability group is not, because I think this is a, uh, it's an important uh, concept to understand. Um, it's not a small group or a prayer group. Now what I will tell you is prayer is part of our time together, um, but it's not the exclusive part of our time together. I mean, we're talking about issues. We're putting issues on the table. Um, we're speaking into a guy's life, or we're having guys speak into our life. Um, but it's, it's not, it, you know, it's certainly not a Bible study. The emphasis is not on any structure of studying Scripture. The emphasis is certainly on using Scripture for guidelines on decision-making, where they apply. But I don't know if you guys remember well, you know, what Walt said, but the majority of our decisions in life, the Scripture doesn't necessarily speak directly to. The scripture doesn't speak directly to where we live. Um, I may not speak directly to the friends we have or the jobs we take. Um, but that's where you know, it certainly doesn't negate the opportunity for, uh, for counsel, but it is not a, we don't do a Bible study. I mean, we've done studies together in the past, but it, those have been completely separate from accountability. I know um, ever since I've been in my group, I've reflected on some of the decisions I made before I had the group, and I'd say to myself, gosh, if I would have just asked those guys, they would have in a heartbeat told me, you're an idiot, Trevor, don't do that. And I wish I would have had that. So now that I have it, I don't ever want to go without it. Yeah, what's interesting about it, we, have, there's no, like, we don't have a rule that whatever the guys say, you do. Like, there's no, we, we didn't preset an obedient rule. And in the, in the event that you don't do what the group says, you're booted out. 
uh, that's not the case. Uh, but I think each of us has seen the value in it over the years that, you know, although you may not like what they say, particularly when the group is unanimous, when everybody sees the same thing except you, that's a, uh, you know, over time you learn. I mean, today I would I'd follow it regardless of what I, what I uh, really thought that I wanted to do. Um, the last part is it's not a social group. The emphasis is not on hanging out or simply getting together. It's not coffee time. It's not just talk about the general issue. I mean, we have specific things that we talk about. Um, you know, over the years, we've built up so many topics that, you know, you just kind of a continuation. You kind of know the different things that a guy wrestles with, um, which that certainly helps. Um, but it, it is very targeted. We, you know, thought life is a common topic of conversation. How's your quiet time and your spiritual walk with Christ is a constant topic of conversation. What's going on in your marriage right now? How are your kids doing? Have you had any issues at work? Anything going on with the opposite sex that you need to be, that we, you know, you need to put on the table? Um, and this, those are questions that are, that are part of the conversation and those are the issues that, uh, you know, that we have to deal with. But we, we, you really got to fight at times the uh, tendency when you get a group of guys together for it to not be a social conversation when it comes to accountability. I mean, we, probably, we probably don't have more than about three to four or five minutes of small talk and we're getting into it. No, the only thing we ever debate about is who's up first. Yeah. <laughs> and generally it's whoever talks first is yeah. up first. We elect one another, so. Yeah. You got a, you got a yeah. question. Go ahead, Tom. Guys, with the, where, where's the line between violation of issues within the marriage going to a group of guys or a wife seeing it as that and saying, I don't want this issue because obviously marriage is always a big part of our lives and it drives a lot, drives a lot of things. Where, if, the, if the wife's not in, in touch with or doesn't want issues brought, you know, brought outside the marriage. Where, where, you know, where is that line of violating our marriage? Or what, what don't we ever speak about outside of the marriage? I'll try to answer that. The, I think that one of the things that uh, we're, it behooves us to do is to explain the purpose of the accountability group to our wife. And our wife, my wife, has to understand, I think she does, uh, the value of the closeness, my relationship, that vertical relationship with Christ, Christ and, and his headship over me, the value that that brings to the marriage, the safety that gives to her. Um, it's the only shot that I've got of being a godly head of my home and over her. So I, I, I establish those ground rules and say, listen, hon, Here's the thing. These guys can be objective for me. But there's, some of us have come to the group and said, as part of the ground rules, I'm not going to talk about my sex life. Okay? Um, and we respect that. Um, another guy may say, you know, you know we, and we've gotten to know each other so well that uh, it, there's, you know, and I think that if your wife specifically asks you, you know, I'll just use that one as an example, um, you respect that, you know? Um, yeah, I know that sometimes I'll, if there's an issue maybe with 
something going on between my wife and I, I'll say, hey, what do you think about me sharing that with the accountability group? And I think there were times where she was comfortable with it and times where she wasn't. And that's a judgment call at the end of the day, I think. I hope I've made the right decisions. Well, because I've seen from uh, through the years here different women and from different accountability groups, of which I wasn't even part of, seeing that as not understanding the protection that mm -hmm. we understand it and really angry and getting upset about seeing that as meddling in one another's marriages. I think if I got that kind of pushback, I'd go to the mat on that with my wife. Honey, I'm too afraid of myself not to do this and I'm doing it and you need to respect my wish, you know, my desires with this. That's, again, personal. I, it's so valuable to me, not only to me, but I know for her, her well-being too, so. I think too, as a, as a you know, the, our responsibility to wash our wife in the word, it, it does give us some great opportunities. I know my wife and I have had times where we're talking about accountability and we go to some of these verses that Chris quoted earlier in the day about, you know, iron sharpens iron is a verse and, the, you know, the importance of counsel and that these aren't, you know, this isn't me sitting around going, hey, I think it'd be a great idea if a bunch of dudes spoke into our life and told us what to do. Because uh, that's not what it is. But when you look at Scripture and how Scripture is clear on what it can do for you, I think that over time, too, gives your wife great comfort in, uh, in kind of where the, where the motive is. I think we've also, I'm pretty sure all of us have given our wives permission, hey, honey, <clears throat> if you see something in my life I'm not dealing with, feel free to give these guys a call at any time. And... I think that gives her some peace as well. If she saw something that really concerned her, she knows she could call these guys, and if need be, they would be, the guys out of town would be on the next flight to come and have a little serious talk with me. And guys, uh, how many of you, don't, don't, don't raise your hands, but think about how many of you were challenged by this, this issue of headship and leadership in your home? But when I, when I, when this, Walt gave a topic on it. It's called Leadership in the Home. It's on the, it's on the website, guys. Uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, back uh, in uh, one of the first Southwest Men's Retreats. And I left that retreat way challenged, saying I, I, I just immediately thought of a stack of, of, of times when I did not step up and lead my home. And, but Walt made a comment that said, your wife needs to understand that God is big enough to protect her from your mistakes. Think about that for a second. Um, for her, she has to understand the value of your relationship with God and the ability that God can give you to be a godly head of your home. And if that, and, and accountability, that authority relationship that's, that's, that's conferred to your accountability group, once that's granted and she really understands it, she'll see the value in it. It's not a social thing where you're divulging family secrets because that's on the surface. That's immediately where someone can go. So what are you talking about? You're not, I hope you're not talking about, you know, you know, the challenge we have with, you know, one of our kids or something, right? So that, I think, needs to be very clearly communicated, and it sets us up for success. Yeah, so I'll wrap us up here with just some of the benefits of true accountability. Um, you know, if you read Hebrews 13, 17, and, and, you know, you see, we have men looking after our souls. 
And uh, you know, the, the, in the Jeremiah verse which has been mentioned several times that our hearts are desperately wicked. And that, that knowing that we're, that's where we come from, we need men looking over our souls and who are committed from a application of scripture, which is really the foundation of it. I mean, you know, you, you get tempted to do accountability with people that you know might be good friends. Look, if the, if the scripture is not their authority, uh, my, this is just McAndrew's counsel is do not go there in accountability with people who do not have the Bible as their authority. And then you've got men, they can just see our issues clearly. We've shared stories, every one of us has so many different stories over the years of where we clearly saw something one way and the other guys saw it another way and it was just like, oh my gosh, they saved me from uh, making some bad decisions. Um, you know, and we've even had impromptu conversations over the years. I was in a particular situation in a business relationship that had to be uh, resolved pretty quickly and I had uh, no idea. You know, you get that forest for the trees thing when you have your issues going on and I couldn't see a, a thing clearly. I had no idea what to do and I sent out an email and within an hour we were on free conference call and I said, all right guys, I got a major, major problem that I need some counsel on and I need you to check my thinking. I mean, that's the regular conversation is, all right, check my thinking on this because here's what I think I want to do and here's why. Am I missing anything? And then, you know, sometimes they're like, no, sounds good. There's nothing better when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. Other times it's like, well, have you thought about this? But that's the, you know, the value. In the absence of that, when I get stuck, when I would have been stuck in a situation like that, if I didn't have those guys to lean into, um, I think I would have been in a tough spot, and I don't know that I would have made uh, the right decision um, at the time. I just would have been clouded with my circumstances and the emotions associated with it. And, you know, you keep our spiritual disciplines in check. I mean, that's a common topic of conversation. Quiet time. We regularly have an accountability where if we're working on some verse memory, we put that on the table. You know, next time we talk, I'm going to have Romans, you know, Generally, Wilsinski only has one verse, but Trevor and I, we usually have like three or four that we're going to memorize. <laughs> but, you know, you put those, those are types of things you put on the table to check your spiritual disciplines. Disciplines of quiet time, of verse memory, of Bible study, of maybe a study with your wife. I mean, that's always a tough thing to, to, uh, for some guys to get into, but those are things that we'll put on the table to keep those spiritual disciplines um, in front of us and... Uh, really making sure that other guys are asking us questions. I mean, most accountability start with, here's what I want you to ask me about next time. The next time we talk, here's what I want to have done between this conversation and, and next conversation. And then the last one is just over time, strong bonds will form. What's interesting is even when I lived in Phoenix, we all lived, lived in Phoenix originally. Now I live in Texas. We have the other guy who lives in Pennsylvania. Even when we lived in Phoenix, we didn't, uh, we didn't hang out all the time. I mean. We got together, but we didn't hang out day in and day out. Um, but we've still, over time, continued to develop that strong bond and that strong relationship of, again, it's back to the scripture of looking out for each other's souls. It's really that, uh, that simple. Um, and I think even as we've moved, you know, I would have thought that, man, that would be really hard. How, do we, how are we going to do this living in different states? Um, and the only difference is it's now on the phone. Uh, I probably see these guys three times a year, but when I see them, it's, you know, I've talked to them every few weeks, so I don't really, uh, 
you know, it just means that I don't have to look at their scary faces. Our relationship got better when you moved to Texas. <laughs> no, just, just, just kidding. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the first six months of our group, we were all living in Phoenix, and ever since Chris moved, the four of us have not been in the same room together. Ever since then, we get three, but we never seem to get four. So, yeah, it's true. I mean, guys will do it differently. I know a guy that has an accountability group that, they, that he's had for almost 20 years, and they make an annual thing or that they go and they fly into a city and they'll play some golf and they'll have some fellowship and have their meeting. And just, there's no template, you know, for this. Yeah. I know another group. It's three guys, and they meet. I think every two weeks, their meetings are shorter because they're meeting every two weeks. So there's no right and wrong. Charles, you got a question? Oh, thank you. That's right. so the, the, we got a few more minutes for questions. If you guys um, have any more questions, or we can just wrap let, it up. Let me just mention one thing. Uh, so how, where do you go from here? Number one, guys, I would say uh, pray about it. Pray that God puts a couple, three guys. I did this at a retreat, and within, I mean, a few weeks, Chris Martin came to me and said, hey, you know, that, that topic of accountability, I wonder if you'd like to have an accountability. And, I, and we had met, and we were kind of a little bit friends, but not, we didn't, hadn't really gotten together, and God really answered that prayer. And then we put a few more guys into it. And, and uh, so the first thing is pray about it and um, ask, ask for help if you want. Give us a ring, shoot us an email, send something to Trevor, and we'll help you. And one other thing we decided that if we were going to ever add, to, add a guy to our group, it's got to be unanimous. And another guy can veto it, no questions asked. Maybe that guy has some inside information that he needs to keep quiet, but he has some information. So we just agreed that um, if a guy's going to join our group, it's got to be unanimous. So. That's it. Any other questions? <coughs> Thanks, guys. Oh. Thanks, guys. Thanks.